Well, this morning we turned the calendar to a new month. We turned it to October, and maybe it will finally keep feeling like fall. Last Tuesday, I was at a tennis match across the street, and it was 92 degrees, and the leaves were falling on me. Just a strange combination. Uh, So hopefully it will start feeling like fall now. But whenever I turn the calendar from September to October, that means one thing for me. It has all my life. It means countdown to Halloween, right? Halloween is on its way. Sadly, they put it way at the end of the month, so it takes a long time to count down there. But it's time, kids, to start thinking about what your costume is going to be. Are you going to be a pirate this year? Are you going to be a ghost? Are you going to be a princess? What are you going to be? I'm thinking, I'm thinking that this year might just be a Star Wars year. So I've got my, uh, I got my Star Wars costume here, and, and for a little while I can... Uh, I can be somebody other than who I am, right? I even got the, the nice belt here to put around it. And uh, I can be a Jedi master with my cloak. I got the whole thing. First service, I couldn't even get this thing on. Did better this service. To finish it off, I even have my lightsaber here. Although I'm told that red means I'm evil. I have some character work to do, don't I? But it makes some good noise. It even makes noise for me. So look for me on Halloween. I might come to your doorstep as a Jedi. Now, if you're really into Halloween, I found out that you can also get, get outfits for your pets. You can dress up your dog in Halloween outfit if you want. So I, I found a few pictures of what you could do. If you always wanted a pony, like I always wish for a pony on my birthday, you can have a pony for a night, right? Your dog can become a pony. If you want to go a little more exotic than that, how about a camel, <laughs> right? Your dog can be a camel. If that's a little over the top, how about a raptor? Your lap dog becomes a little more ferocious when, when it becomes a raptor. Or if you like spiders, I don't. You're, it's a little hard to see, but a huge spider walking around on Halloween can't be bad, right? Or if you want your neighbor's... Nobody will walk near you all Halloween. You got the place to yourself if you're walking that. Or my favorite is that your dog can become a lion for the night. I don't have a dog, but it's tempting to get one just so I could dress him up like that. All right? Halloween, you can put on a costume for a night. You can be something that you haven't been before. Now, I can pretty confidently proclaim that Jesus did not have Halloween in mind when he spoke the words that we're going to read in Matthew chapter 7. You want to take your Bibles out, Matthew 7, page 788. I'm confident that Jesus was not concerned about kids dressing up like princesses and pirates for a night. He, He wasn't concerned about dressing up our dogs as camels or spiders. But in this passage, Jesus has some pretty significant and pointed words about, dre- about the dressing up that we do here at church. He has some pretty pointed words about the costumes that we wear here within the family of God. Right, so here in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is speaking directly to those, those of us as followers who come to church and pretend to be something we're not. Who are not being honest and truthful about who we really are. Listen to what he says. We're going to start at verse 15 and then go through verse 20, then hold on there, but we'll keep reading in a minute. So 15 through 20, Jesus says, 
Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Okay, pause there for a moment. Jesus is saying, you got to be careful because there are wolves in the church dressed up like sheep. They've got costumes on. There's people wearing costumes within the family of God. They're pretending to be something that they're not. He said these false prophets are inside the church, right? They're people you see whenever you come together. They're part of the community, often respected and honored and trusted members of the community. They come in looking and acting really like, like spiritual Jedi, Right? But their love for Jesus, the holiness of their lives is, is a costume that they wear. Underneath their, their costumes, they're anything but holy. Right? And then underneath their costumes, they're anything but committed to Jesus Christ. Underneath the costumes that they wear, they are anything but Faithful. So, so last week as part of my pastor's book club, or last month, we read a spy novel. I, I don't usually read spy novels. I haven't read one in decades. But we read the classic spy novel, The Spy Who Came Out of the Cold. And by the end of the book, when, the, when everything's kind of wrapping up out in uh, the communist East Germany in the 60s or 70s, whatever it was, I couldn't tell who was a good guy and who was a bad guy anymore. Every spy was a double agent, triple agent. And so when people are dying at the end, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. I can't tell who's who. Jesus is saying that there's double agents here in the church. Look out for those double agents. Look out for people who are wearing costumes. Wolves pretending to be sheep. And then Jesus does what he's always so good at doing. Right? He's pointing at those wolves, those false teachers. Watch out for them. And then he turns his finger, and he points his finger directly at each one of us. At all the costumes that we wear as well. He's looking at all of us now when he goes on in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Wow. If you did not just feel a little shock to your spiritual system, then you weren't listening very well. 
Because in this paragraph, Jesus just looked at longtime church members. He looked at, at those people who are dressed up flawlessly and who come every time the church door are open. And he looked them straight in the eye and he said, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, I'm a longtime church member. And I'm told that I clean up pretty well on a Sunday. It's okay. And I'm here almost every Sunday. So is he talking about me? Is Jesus looking at me? Is he looking at you? Seems like that's a pretty important question to answer, doesn't it? So you and I need to ask ourselves if we are treating every Sunday like Halloween. Right? Are we putting on a costume when we come here to church? And I'm not talking about how we dress. It doesn't matter to me whether you're wearing a tie or whether you're wearing a t-shirt. I'm talking about the costumes of our lives. Jesus is looking at the people who are masquerading as disciples. They decided to dress up like a disciple. And some of us make that decision and we're really good at it, right? Our costumes are flawless. Nobody would know that we're truly not a disciple. But Jesus sees people in the church who are sounding religious, who are doing religious things, but who don't have a relationship with him and who are not fully committed to him and, and who don't, like we talked about a week ago, who don't have Jesus at the very core of who they are. It's just a costume that they're wearing. They're letting everybody think they do, but they don't. And Jesus will not put up with that kind of pretending. I never knew you away from me. Jesus here is giving all of us a call to spiritual authenticity. Spiritual authenticity is ensuring that uh, the lives that we live match the words that we speak. And you and I need to distinguish in our own lives and we need to distinguish in our community between what is lip service and what is true discipleship. And honestly, that's hard to do. Because we are easily deceived by each other and we easily deceive ourselves, right? It's so much easier to simply profess a love and commitment to Jesus than truly possess that love and commitment. It's easier to put the words on than to put a costume on. And that lack of spiritual authenticity is one thing that will push millennials away from the church quickly. Okay, now, now our young people, our millennials, as we're talking about over these, these weeks, the questions that they're asking, helping us to grow, they certainly, they aren't perfect in all their spiritual authenticity themselves. That's a given. That's true. But when, but when our young people are at the stage of life where they're asking the question that we're asking over these weeks, church, why should I bother? Why should I stick around? And they look at the churches that they grew up in or they look at the believers surrounding them, they are not interested in being a part of a spiritual masquerade. They're not interested in, in every Sunday being Halloween. They are not interested in putting on a costume to cover up who they really are throughout the week and what we really love and value instead of Jesus. They're interested in spiritual authenticity, spiritual honesty. 
And really, they should be. We all should be because that's what God called us to from the very start of this, of this spiritual project called the church. Right, go way back, way back to the book of Deuteronomy. As the nation of Israel is learning how to be in relationship with God, as, as they're learning how to, how to be in love with him, how to be his people, really how to be the church, if I can call the Old Testament Israel the church, way back in the book of Deuteronomy, God gives these instructions to the adults of that community. Listen to Deuteronomy 6, words you've probably heard before. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Okay, there's the what. As true followers of Jesus Christ, we must love God with every part of who we are. Our thinking, our feeling, our doing. And that love needs to be more than a costume that we put on. It needs to define who we are. We talked about that last week, right? Jesus needs to be at the core. Peel away all the other priorities, values, things that direct us and move us. And at the core of who we are, we better find Jesus. Okay? And then God goes on to give us the next step. When he says, okay, now impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Okay, now many Old Testament Jews and some New Testament Jews, you can still see them today, believe in that, that's a literal command there. And so you'll see little boxes called phylacteries tied around their wrists and tied on their foreheads. God's commands are, are written in little letters on those boxes, right? Or you can find the small wooden container containing the law again called, called mezuzahs. And they're, they're posted on the door frames of their houses. Now, when I read this passage, I don't believe that we're called to follow their lead and take these commands from Deuteronomy 6 literally. And I think you agree with me because I didn't see many of you walk in with a phylactery on your forehead or on your wrist. Because God's command here in Deuteronomy 6 is not love God and show it on your foreheads and your door frames. The command is love God and show it in how you live your life. Live it. Live that love out for everyone to see, especially your children. If you need a box on your forehead or your wrist or by your doorframe to remind you to live it, fine. Whatever it takes to remind you to live out this love. Right? God's Old Testament command and Jesus' now New Testament version of it calls us to live out a truly authentic spirituality. Our daily choices, our daily decisions, our daily actions must match the spiritual words that we speak here in this room, that we profess together in the safety of this community. What we proclaim to believe must be evident now how, in how we live. Our daily lives must reveal our hearts that are sold out Jesus if we aren't both speaking and doing if these two things do not match 
then yes, Jesus is looking straight at us when he says, I never knew you. So we need to ask ourselves, honestly, we need to ask each other about our community. If our words and our actions match, or are we coming in costume every Sunday? And that will take some serious introspection and reflection for each of us to dare to ask those big questions. And it might even, it might even bring about some significant change to your daily life. I know we don't like change, but it might happen. If we dare to ask ourselves, to ask each other the serious questions. So let's identify a few of those basic questions. What do we need to ask? Well, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we learned last week that our lives and behaviors should end up mirroring Jesus, right? If we have him in our heart, then we will live the way that he lived. And Jesus summarized what that means for us in Luke 10, which is really a quote of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, sitting in this room, hearing that, those words come easily, right? Love God, love your neighbor. Living out there in this world, those actions are a lot more difficult, aren't they? So we need to ask ourselves, do we really love God in both word and action? Do they match? Because loving God is a lot more than sitting here once a week and saying, yep, love him, check, done. Loving God means that we are pursuing a deeper relationship with him. Loving God means that we're learning more and more about him. We want to know. Loving God means that we are intentionally listening to him, listening to his voice. Loving God means that we're honoring him with our words and our choices and our actions. It means we're striving for godliness. We're striving for holiness at home, in the hallway, at school. When we're trying to impress our friends, we're still striving for godliness and holiness. And when we're all alone at home and nobody's around, we're still striving for godliness and holiness. Do we truly love God that much? Or on Sundays are we putting on a costume? And do we really love the people around us in both word and action? Do they match? And by people around us, by neighbor, Jesus means everyone. Those who are easy for us to love and those who are hard for us to love. Are we leading with love in all times and all places? Are we leading with love when it comes to our interactions with each other here in this church? Are we leading with love when we meet our neighbors, when we work with our co-workers, when we go to school tomorrow and walk the hallway with our classmates, some we really like and some we don't like so much? Are we leading with love for all of them? Are we leading with love in our political discussions, both in person and on that minefield called social media, right? With the stances that we stand for, are we leading with love on race and immigration and poverty? Okay, now I know I've got your attention, right? I've hit on the big three. I've hit on the big three. 
I'm not going to tell you what to think about. I'm not going to tell you what to decide, what stance you should take. But we all do need to ask ourselves, in whatever stance I take, whatever perspective I'm, I'm posting, is Jesus' clear call to love shaping my thoughts, shaping my stance? Or in politics, do I just set that command aside? In all of our lives, do we truly love others the way Jesus loved them? Are our words matching our deeds and our deeds matching our words? Or are we putting on a costume when we come here on Sundays? Now, the prophet Micah gives us a pretty practical checklist that would be really good for us to ask ourselves, to ask each other before we take action. If we're speaking the words, I love Jesus and I love my neighbor as myself and I'm trying my hardest, wouldn't it be interesting? Before you choose an action, whatever that might be, speak a word, post something on social media, ask yourself, is what I'm about to do pursuing justice? Not only for me, but for all the people that I'm called to love? Ask yourself, is what I'm about to do loving mercy? Not only for me, but for everyone. Is it loving mercy or am I loving justice? Am I loving vengeance? Am I loving my own safety? Am I loving myself? Or am I loving mercy? Is what I'm about to do evidence that I am living humbly as a follower of Jesus Christ? Living humbly means I'm not living for just my own comfort. I'm not living just for my own gain. I'm not living just for my own advancement. But is it evidence that Jesus has priority over all of me and I'm committed to loving in his name, even if that comes with sacrifice? How would our lives change if we ran all our choices, all our decisions, all our actions through Micah's filter? before we acted. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Love God wholeheartedly. Love your neighbor as yourself. When you and I signed on to receive the saving grace of Jesus Christ, when we signed on to become a part of the family of God, we signed our name to God's purposes. We signed on to be his children and to be his servants and to match our daily lives to the spiritual words that we speak. We committed ourselves to doing our best in this messy, broken world around us to live out what we hear from God. And only you and God really know if that's the life you're living or a costume that you're wearing. Would you pray with me? Father God, you see right through our disguises. We may be able to fool each other, but we can't fool you with the costumes that we wear. And so we humbly come and begin by asking for your forgiveness. Forgive us for all the times when our actions don't match our words, when we haven't been spiritually authentic, when we've been trying to deceive each other, 
And as foolish as it might sound, we've been trying to deceive you as well. Thank you for your grace that is deep enough and wide enough and reaches far enough to always forgive and to always welcome us back into your family. And now, Father, I ask that that same grace would work on our hearts. That we would put Jesus, his purposes, his plans, his love at the very core of who we are. Father, take away any selfishness, any other priority, any other God that takes your place in our hearts. Jesus, take the core and center of who we are. And then transform our actions. Because you know how easy it is for us to speak words and how hard it is to change our lives. But shape our daily lives so that we might live them out in love. Loving you, Father, and loving the people you've called us to love. I pray that people might see our hearts sold out for you when they see our lives lived out, sold out for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Worship team, would you come forward? We're going to sing a song of response. The song is Unbroken Praise. And I hope that there isn't a disconnect between words and actions, that it's unbroken, that the praise we sing is the praise we live. And I want you to pay a special attention to the bridge of this song. And I hope that the words that you find there 